0: Dr. Kark first. Dr. Kark, I would, my first, uh, as an introductory remark, uh, you know, if you would speak for about 10, between 10 and 15 minutes, if you would give us a broad framework of where history begins in Kashmir, the history that we don't often see on our news channels and in our textbooks, where does history begin? And give us a brief sense of, Who Kashmiri Pandits really are, apart from this, um, um, you know, people who who were driven away in 1989, 90, and that's our most um, visible identity right now, try to give us a sense of who we really are. Over to you, Dr. Khan.
1: Um, th- <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Sunandaji. And uh, thank you, Indian Academy, to uh, have given me this opportunity to speak on this uh, very important uh, issue of uh, where Kashmir fits into the larger Indian civilizational puzzle. Now, there are different ways of looking at it. Of course, we have textual evidence and we have archaeological evidence, then we have travelers who came to India and spoke about its history. And I'll just pick on one of those. When the Greeks came to India after Alexander, they wrote about Indian history and they said, uh, it goes back to, if one were to use BCE, it goes back to 6676 BCE. Now there is one Indian calendar, which is connected to that. That is the Kashmiri Saptarshi calendar, which has a current beginning of 30, 3076 BC, if you add another 3,600 years, it does square with the 6676 BCE that the uh, Greeks uh, wrote that Indians thought their history went as far as that, and that Indians had king lists, which, which went that far. So this is, you know, chronological time span. Now, as to who the Kashmiris are, modern Kashmiri language is probably a 1,000 or 1,500 years old, but we can estimate from a lot of other evidence that uh, the language, which uh, was quite uh, uh, significant, both in uh, Northwest India and even beyond, and I'll come to that in a minute, uh, which had uh, features which are similar to Kashmiri language, uh, is called Gandhari. Gandhari was just beyond the borders of Kashmir Valley. And uh, it has uh, features which are called Dardic language features, which Kashmiri has, and which also uh, the Kalash language. The Kalash are uh, a group in Pakistan and Afghanistan which still are holding on to their old uh, Vedic culture. So their language also has the same features. Now what's interesting is that until about 1,006 uh, CE, uh, which is about 1,000 years ago. Xinjiang, uh, north of Kashmir, also used Gandhari. And there was tremendous connection between Kashmiri scholars and scholars in Khotan and Kashgar and all the uh, city names, and of course, their language. They also used Sanskrit. Where Sanskritic, for example, Kashgar was Kashigiri, the, the hill of light. And Khotan was Gosthan, which is now called Hotan. And uh, this is where an interaction between Kashmiri scholars um, and uh, their journeys into uh, Khotan and uh, Xinjiang led to the development also of the classical Chinese civilization, because that's where Kashmiri scholars went, translated Sanskrit texts, which led to uh, Chinese Mahayana having the form that it has, which was somewhat different from uh, what uh, was given to it uh, in India at that time. So it assumed features, which uh, are sort of similar to Vedantic features that we are very familiar with, for example, in uh, Kashmir Shaivism. So this is the general uh, fact, which uh, some people don't know about Uh, the twin of Kashmir beyond their borders, which, of course, right now has uh, very significant geopolitical implications. Now, of course, we do know that after 1006 CE, Xinjiang was Turkified. They lost their old Indic languages, and now their languages are Turkic, just as Turkey, modern Turkey, used to be the cradle of uh, uh, Greek civilization, Ionia, which is Western Turkey, and that also got got Turkified. And now in Turkey, the language that is generally spoken is the Turkish language. So this is the general uh, overview in terms of uh, the reach of Kashmir, uh, not just uh, within, and uh, participating in the creation of what we know as classical Indian civilization through a whole series of contributions Going back to grammar, Mahabhashya Patanjali, Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. The two Patanjalis are supposed to be the same individual uh, in the Indian tradition. Uh, the beginnings of art theory, as in um, Vishnu Dharmotar Puran, um, also um, aesthetics, Indian uh, Kashmiri sculpture and uh, painting, which after Kashmir fell on hard times went uh, in different directions, including went down to the Pahari areas, Himachal and the hills, and created uh, the magnificent Pahari style of painting. And 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 also, uh, this is something that we'll be coming back to very quickly, uh, the pinnacle of uh, the philosophy of consciousness, which is uh, Kashmir Shaivism, which, uh, which poses this whole problem of awareness and who we are, and where consciousness comes in in, in such beautifully scientific terms that even now uh, some of the leading minds in the world who are interested in this frontier area of science it's, it's a frontier area of science not only from the perspective of computer science because you're trying to construct a machine which has consciousness because normally machines don't have but the brain machine is conscious and also in neuroscience so all these uh, topics are leading up to the question of what is consciousness. And in Kashmir, about 13, 1400 years ago, this whole philosophical framework of Kashmir Shaivism, because Shiva or Ishvara is consciousness within you, it's one, and it gets expressed uh, in different people who think that they are different, but they really are the same. This is the general framework. Uh, uh, that there is now. I also want to mention uh, uh, quickly that uh, there were contributions uh, that Kashmiri scholars also made to literature, to music. Everybody knows about Shankdev, uh, and uh, and and the great Abhinav Gupta, who also wrote a commentary on the Bhagavad Gita, a very famous commentary, and he also wrote uh, the great classic of Tantra, which is Tantra Loka. The great uh, book on aesthetics called Dhvanya Loka. What is Dhvani? How do you recognize what is beautiful? So, some of the most subtle questions of not just Indian philosophy, but universal world philosophy were a part of the, uh, of the discussions that uh, went on. And uh, Abhinav Gupta, who lived about a thousand years ago, we have uh, stories on how. These meetings took place, and apparently they were both men and women uh, who participated in these discussions. And uh, so it is a very egalitarian and open society. And um, uh, just to, um, to, to conclude, I must also say uh, that um, scholars of art have suggested that a lot of what is seen as Oriental art, the beginnings of it perhaps took place in Kashmir and from Kashmir, just as philosophy went from Kashmir to Xinjiang, and from Xinjiang eastwards to Chang'an, which was the capital of China at that time, and then onwards to uh, Japan. For example, Dhyan itself, Dhyan as meditation. When, When it went to China, it became Chan. And when it crossed across the sea to Japan, it became Zen so there's a lot of stuff in every field that you can think of from medicine to literature to music to sculpture to aesthetics to philosophy to mathematics itself the bakshali manuscript uh, just across the valley but it was the same uh, circle and and then scripts went from kashmir to central asia and from there on to korea and japan so truly uh, it was not that it was all being created in Kashmir, because Kashmir was connected to the rest of India. It was really one civilizational area. There were also intriguing connections between the two furthest corners of India, Tamil Nadu, Darshan there, and uh, the Darshan in Kashmir. So there were these Agamas in these two regions which are connected. There are also connections between the east, uh, Bihar and Bengal, and Kashmir, the whole shakta thing, or Srividya, which is very popular all over India, is, uh, according to scholars, it emerged in Kashmir and went uh, elsewhere, because it's a representation of these uh, beautiful insights that we have of consciousness that emerged in Kashmir. So I'll just stop here and uh, we'll come back to some of these threads later on. Thank you, uh, sunandaji
0: Wonderful, wonderful. You gave us a, uh, you know, um, a framework on uh, where we can begin our conversation from. And from what you said, I was always under the impression that Kashmir is the cradle of Indian civilization, but what you said—it seems to me that the Kashmir—that Kashmir is cradle of world civilization. I mean, a lot of stuff came from Kashmir, and I'm not just, um, uh, you know, the lot of material that came from Kashmir and went to ancient civilizations, uh, as you mentioned, um, is is something that I, I believe a lot more um, research could be done on.